Welcome to another episode of the Woods, Water, and Mizzou. I'm one of your co-hosts, Skeeter, and along with me as usual are Case and Cole. How y'all doing? Good. Doing good. Howdy, y'all. Well, Cole, I kind of took over your role this time of uh, sliding in DMs, but you're pretty good at introducing the guests, so do you want to introduce our special guest for tonight? I can't. I mean, it's about time someone else pulled their, you know, DM waiter on here. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mark Kim is joining us tonight. Mark, how you doing? Doing well, fellas. How you doing? We're good, man. We're good. We're good. So you want us to call you Mark? You want us to call us, call you Mr. Kim? Which do you prefer? Uh, just call me Mark. It's fine. Okay. It, 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 right. it ain't that formal, guys. Okay. All right. Good deal. <laughs> well, Mark, we're happy to have you, man. Welcome. Love to be here. Can't believe it took me this long to be on a Mizzou pod, you know? <laughs> that's all right we'll forgive you <laughs> the crowning duty well, Mark, you guys got it. let's just kind of let you tell your story of who you are and why you would be on a mizzou pod for those in case they're living under a rock and don't know who you are yeah absolutely um so as of right now i currently work at the athletic um doing social media for them i worked at espn previously as well also doing social media for them but back in the day you know, I used to be another Mizzou student and more than anything, used to be a KOMU kid, you know, um, just another one of the broadcast students like trying to come up, uh, find their way through the industry. And obviously I didn't end up there for a certain reason. A lot of it's because like um, in addition to when I was going through school and like trying to like get my foot in the door in terms of the sports industry, a lot of it's like uh, I was very active on social media. And that's kind of where I found my bread and butter early on at the station doing well over there. And then eventually just like, you know, there's so much, there's so many like student reporters, like there's a lot of uh, clutter in that sort of a way, a lot of competition. So it's like, how do you kind of find your way to make your mark within that area? Um, and a lot of it for me was just like, just not just posting about the Tigers, not just reporting on the zoo, but really just became kind of like putting my own voice into it and kind of like telling it how it is and messing around in the way that I would and kind of just owning the way that I kind of tell those stories. And uh, through that, I kind of gained a small rapport in that sort of a case. And uh, throughout the years, I, I like to say that I shit post my way into the industry uh, because I, did, I obviously I didn't end up doing TV. But uh, funny enough, a, a lot of like the memes and like the videos and the edits and the stuff I did on social media ended up bringing me to my first job doing social media for ESPN, which uh, I still kind of say that I fell kind of ass backwards into that one. But um, honestly, like it. If it wasn't for the community that we have here um, in Columbia and like with the people that are engaged on a regular basis, I wouldn't be where I am. So really all love to the Mizzou community. And I've been really like maybe I just peaked in college, but I've just really kind of never let it go. Always kind of been around <laughs> to a certain degree. So that's why me years later after graduating from Mizzou, I am still posting about them, even though I am nowhere near Columbia or Missouri for that matter or the Midwest uh, from that matter these days. No, once a tiger, always a tiger. Yes, sir. So, you you told us in the pre-show here that you're actually born and raised in Michigan, correct? Yep. Uh, I grew up in Metro Detroit and uh, the suburbs of Illinois for the most part. So I've always generally been around been been around the Midwest from my my early life. So, and how'd you pick Mizzou? Like, what what drew you there? 
Um, I feel like it's just like any other kid from the suburbs. This is the J school that kind of got me. Uh, but more than anything, it was my hate for Illinois that got me over to Missouri more than anything. Funny nice. enough. Uh, because my parents wanted me to go to Illinois. And I told them, absolutely not. That was not within the on my radar whatsoever. Um, so a lot of it's like, well, you got to find somewhere else that kind of like lives up to the billing of like, how could you choose the non-state school? Is there like, what reason is there? And that because of Mizzou and the J school, that was kind of my pitch. It's like, Hey, I'm going to go to the best journalism school in the country. Um, and it turns out I picked the better basketball school too. So I'll, I'll live with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love it. Uh, you are Philip a brand ambassador nationally for Mizzou and I mean, we need more voices like you, but please don't ever stop or quiet your voice for us because we love seeing it. Appreciate that guys. Um, I'm not sure if I'm like a, I'm not ne- necessarily like, you know, John Rothstein level or even close to anything like that, but you know, I try to pull my weight whenever I can. Um, but really just like, I think more than anything, it's the, the fact that Mizzou Twitter has gotten so big and close over the years, it really just helps elevate everything else. And really just through the, like, you know, just kind of just the overall exposure, um, through the stuff that I've done through the industry and the combination of Mizzou fans, just like boost and all that. I really, that, I think it really goes like both ways in terms of, uh, being able to take a lot of that stuff, uh, to a larger platform than just within Columbia circles, you know? Yeah. Did you did you learn to hate another university once you became a student at Mizzou? Uh, Kansas, for sure. Uh, OK, that's, 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 <laughs> that's, the, that's the tough part, because I joined I, I, I went to the school when we were in the SEC. We weren't playing them. So a lot of it's like I had to manufacture a certain level of hate just by like studying the history of the, the program and all that. Um, my cousin actually went to Kansas. So I, that was also a good place to kind of get my jabs in and get my trash talk in where I can, you know. Um, and then obviously like Arkansas, just because like, uh, I mean, that was the rivalry that I came into kind of understanding, but a lot of it's more just like later on when Arkansas fans started chirping, I was like, all right, we got a little something going here. Um, and I happened to be around when Beisel started the trash talk there. So that's where it kind of felt a little bit more real as well. Um, but I don't think I really had to learn that one as much as it took Kansas for the most part. Yep. Our, our friend on here, Case, you know, can tell you a lot about the Kansas-Mizzou smack talk because he's he's right there on the line. Yep, lifelong Kansas City Missourian. So I've uh, I've grown up in it. It's from uh, you know Easter coming up. Uh, my wife's family, her uncle went to KU, and all those boys are big Jayhawks. And I'm a Tiger, and her dad's a Tiger, and her other uncle's a Tiger. So it is a constant headbutt in every family or every family get together you have out here. Oh, I can imagine, man. Uh, how many times do you get the "you're from Kansas City, why aren't you a Kansas fan?" remark from people oh, that think that Kansas City is in Kansas? It is. It is the bane of my existence. <laughs> <laughs> I am begging people to look at a map once. Oh my gosh! Right? It is. It is the like the ultimate like you're dumb is as a Kansas City because like we hate that we were on like the real side, Kansas City, Missouri. When like um we were who were playing the Chiefs were playing or we were playing the uh, 49ers that's a couple years ago and a bunch of their fans had made signs that said you're not in Kansas anymore and we're all like we were never in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> man, if you're gonna do your trash talk, you got to do your homework, man. You can't exactly. go in and like 
if you make a mistake on your trash talk, you're going to get shoved in a locker immediately. Like, immediately, like no question. Like there's like, oh, these yeah. fans are just idiots. You know, like you can't you can't do that. Mm-mm. Well, uh, Cole, where where do you want to go with this here? What what's our next question? Well, I kind of wanted to tie in the the three things we've talked about. So you know, you mentioned that you know, obviously Mizzou grad, you know, and just, I guess, fell in love. I mean, I'm assuming you fell in love with the university, not only because it got you somewhat to where you are now, but it, you know, kind of gave you the career that, that, you know, you're on the right path of now. So was there something either in college or post-college that was like, that I guess kind of got your foot in the door at ESPN? I don't know if you kind of want to go down how that career started. Was there something that, you know, caught somebody's eye that, you know, essentially got your foot in the door or how did that all play out? Um, I don't necessarily think it was like, I, I think some of the KOMU stuff might've like played a smaller role in it. I think partially like another part of it was um, in which like when I decided I wanted to do social media, it was second semester of my senior year. This was after a couple failed applications is doing broadcast like TV stations and try to go on air and, and eventually I was just kind of like I don't want to do this and especially like after getting all the rejections um from stations I was kind of done with like trying to be on air uh but I also took a gap year in between my time at uh my, my, my time like from second semester on to my first job at ESPN so in between that time I actually had the opportunity to work like help out Rock M Nation uh with a couple stuff here on the the social media front so I think that if anything my time at Rock M Nation, um, to a certain degree, played a big role in terms of being able to make that jump to ESPN. I think because, because for one, having that platform and having that familiarity with the fan base and knowing what they want and um, knowing what kind of things I need to throw into the Photoshop for the, the final cuts or whatnot, um, definitely play, played, played a big role, but also just finally being able to contribute to a, uh, like a, like not just, you know, a TV station on social media, but like a truly online publication um, that was looking to grow on social media. Um, so playing a big part there and little do people know, but I actually started the rock M nation Instagram account, which I think has kind of gone defunct since the password's been lost. But if you look out there and you see what was on there, that was me uh, back in the day. So I'm not sure what's going on with it these days, if they're firing a backup, but that, uh, I think a lot of that actual like real world experience of like, Hey, go ahead and try some stuff out and see what you can do or like see how you can help us out. Um, and I still have so much love for the platform over there. The writers, they're all fantastic. The per- like it, it's a good group of people over there, good community out there. And um, I really owe a lot of my, like my relevance back in the day and even now to uh, the way they've kind of given me the chance to grow um, not just as, you know, someone that works on social media, but also within the community as well. Yeah, hundred. I mean, hundred percent. There's, you know, you don't ever want to bash the the either agency or you know business or you know in this case, form blog, you know, style business that kind of gave you your first step. But I guess kind of since we discussed rocking, there was there was a little. They caught a little bit of heat with over the past you know year and a half, two years, um, you know, from the previous coaching staff up until. You know, this coaching staff and one thing that's just incredible, not only about social media and, you know, the things that you're you're known for posting is that Twitter is such a powerful tool 
not only in, you know, so I follow you, well, you know, you retweet or share something from another post and then it just, it just absolutely spreads like wildfire. Is, is that something that you think is contributed to, you know, I guess a lot of the popularity that you see it within your posts? Yeah. It's obviously not just Mizzou nation. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. I think it's good quality content and, you know, people, people can appreciate that regardless of whatever, you know, fan base you're associated with. Yeah. I I mean, even just like within the smaller microcosm of, you know, the SEC, like the, the Mizzou Twitter communities, the larger SEC one, which like, I mean, fan bases kind of know who Brett Sarver is now for reasons like that, you know? (laughs) Um, And like, it's kind of grown into a larger sort of a thing where it's not just like we're chirping with each other, but like, other fan bases can like look into what we're doing and like if we're boosting each other, they're gonna they can see what the chatter is within our community too. So uh, yeah. they're more than welcome to clap back and you know I know that we, we trade hands in the the replies or whatnot every now and then. That's just kind of the nature of the beast of what Twitter is and um, especially in terms of like I remember like back in the day I what was it I I I got really pissed off that we lost to Kentucky in football and I was like we lost to Kentucky. In football and my goodness the wildcat fans went after me because uh, i think it was initially just like mizzou fans boosting it up and then eventually kentucky is like what do you mean by that like we were kicking your butts every single year which to their credit they have been gotta get out of um i probably Upsetting. was a little out of pocket there um in that time and place uh they probably they made good points um and i gotta give it like give credit words due but yeah man why are we losing to kentucky we're supposed to be a football school right <laughs> that's right was that but, was that comment yeah. made inside the tackle box? I just need to know. <laughs> well outside the tackle box, hundred percent outside the tackle box. I love that reference. God bless you. Uh, yeah, I only drove about nine hours round trip that day to watch that game in person, and so I'm I'm still bitter over it. That was yeah. uh, it was bad. I mean, it was right. I was my tickets are in the south end zone. I mean, it was right there, man. Just gut wrenching, but thanks, Skeeter, for bringing that back up. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> there was a Kentucky fan sitting behind us, and after it happened, he goes, "Oh no, they're gonna tear this place apart." <laughs> <laughs> Just what? one one of my long list of grievances against what Mizzou football has done to me and my mental health, and they'll be answering yeah. my therapist about that. Absolutely. <laughs> Let, let's get it back on a, a positive thought. What, yeah, what's no your kidding. Favorite, what's your favorite Mizzou memory? I didn't uh, got to think twice about this one. I'm sorry if I chimed in a little early there. I just couldn't wait to talk about it. But the Henry Josie run against Texas A&M, without a question, is my favorite. Uh, like for one, because I was at the stadium there. I was I rushed the field with everyone else that night too. Um, that's the only time I've ever rushed the field. So. Um, and especially doing it as a student, especially the story behind it, and especially beating Johnny Manziel, like all things considered, that is without question my favorite moment um, as a Mizzou fan. And it, it just really hits different seeing it all in person and experiencing it all in person where, you know, on TV, it's one thing. It's another thing to actually like be in the moment and, you know, not just kind of at home or in the distance where I've experienced another a bunch of other great Mizzou moments, but. I don't know. Being able to experience that, experience that as my first Mizzou like memory, I was like, "Wow, it's it's great cheering for a, like a good football team 
uh, and then the next like eight years after that, it's just been awful, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we we are well aware, well aware. Uh, Case, what you want to lead with another question or thought? Um, uh, I don't have one lined up at the moment. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> let, let's kind of transition in, into basketball a little bit. And what are your overall thoughts of the program in year one with Dennis Gates? I, I mean, the awards come out today and obviously, uh, you know, for them to have co-coaches of the SEC and Gates don't even make that like, I feel like that is a big snub to him, but what's your overall feel of the program and and the year we've had up to this point? Yeah, there's a reason why I was pining for Dennis Gates for SEC Coach of the Year outside of like actual bias because I I think he blew everyone's expectations of what Mizzou could be, especially in year one, man. Like I, I, I'm very, I'm generally a very pessimistic fan. Uh, Kay's going to attribute this as being a Detroit fan, or at least a Pistons fan specifically. I've been kind of raised to be disappointed by my teams, uh, yeah. and most of them have. But and that's kind of like generally, I come in kind of pessimistic into a season, not trying to like be too high because I'm typically kind of cut down by whatever happens. Um, so coming into this year, it's like you know, if Dennis can like make this team watchable by all means that'll be a good season but they didn't just make them watchable they made them actual threats to a certain degree um and that's what i'm most excited about where it's like and i was someone that i like conzo martin and it was hard to kind of let him go as he as he kind of did but like when the time came to strike and get dennis gates and to see what he's done with these transfers and um being able to bring back aiden shaw and what he's done since and um what he's on the recruiting trail and even just like the overall message he sends to the team and the, the way he represents the program I think that more than anything else um is what I take a lot of pride in from this first year is that like people are going to want to play for Dennis man just like, like the way that like the the way that we've gotten to read on the way that he talks about his guys and even like the Mosley situation which no one really has a good answer for and no one really knows what's going on Dennis stands by his player you know he's not going to he didn't tell too much he you know sometimes telling too little is a bit frustrating but like he's definitely someone that looks out for the best best interest of his guys and I think that really goes a long way um and when that goes and brings out results man and especially like as high as we currently are within the SEC tournament ranks I got zero complaints man I'm really excited to see what he does from here um because like obviously like you know the phrase like there's there's no way to go but up um it really i really think it applies in this situation because like once he gets to recruit his guys like his like incoming freshman class his way um getting like a full lay of the land within kansas city and st louis and canvassing those areas and plus he's got other those other connections too i really think that there really is no way way for us to go but up and if an ncaa tournament appearance and like a fifth seed in the sec tournament is the the baseline goodness i can't i can't imagine the bigger things that that can come next because i'll just sound like a complete maniac if i were to say them out loud (laughs) absolutely um and you you look at the way college basketballs will come now with uh tj elzenberg and iowa state and everyone telling us because he made that team was terrible two years ago 
Yeah. They have a sweet 16 run last year. I believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's like, hey, that is the outlier. That is not the – that's not what's typical. Do not expect that out of Dennis. You're going to put too high expectations. And in year one to come – and like you said, be a competitive SEC teams and massive. Um, in your opinion, though, what do you think are some factors he has to do to keep riding this momentum? I think he needs to – I, I love the the way that he's been reached into the transfer pool, and that's going to be a huge part of it. But I really think that being able to establish a foundation um, for four-year guys that really go in and, like, obviously, like, it may take some time for them to get their NBA prospects. And maybe, you know, it could be, like, guys that are, like, one and done or two and done. But, like, to be able to establish a core of players that are here on a regular basis, like a guy like Kobe Brown, for example, or it's, like, he is by far Mizzou's best player uh this season um he's the most important one if anything or important is also debatable I, I really like nick honor too we can go all day about that uh but a guy like kobe brown that's been around for as long as he has and you know endeared himself to the fan base as kind of you know we've watched him grow over the years and um being able to establish culture i think is incredibly important with this program um especially one that has kind of been lost in its way over the past few years through the the Conzo days through the Kim Anderson days. Uh, goodness. I don't want to think about that, but, uh, <laughs> but to, like to be able to establish that culture and be like, this is what Mizzou is as a basketball team. This is how we're going to come on on a regular basis. Uh, it may look different from year to year based on personnel. Um, and Dennis will definitely adjust for that. But like, like the way that the, the, the identity of this program currently is right now, where it's like everyone plays well together. Every like the, in terms of chemistry, I've, I'm hard pressed to see a team that's had this much chemistry since I've been a fan, which although has not been very long, like you could probably point to other Mizzou days, but like uh, in terms of other ways that it's been a little bit better, but like in terms of the way that everyone shares the ball and plays team defense, man, like this is, if this is the identity of this team going forward, like I, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is exactly how you get people on board to play for the university of Missouri and be excited to play for the university of Missouri. And not just, you know, like, this is our second and third option because I couldn't get into the, the school I got into. It's like, I want to play here because they play this brand of basketball and they're going to help me get to the league. Not just that, but they're going to help bring collegiate success that I can't get anywhere else. So I think that being able to establish that culture and that identity and being able to do so by being able to get those guys coming into as freshmen and being able to um, grow their game and grow their identity and presence within the program. I think that's what's going to be that's going to be what sets this program apart from the others. No, I that's, agree. I think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Cole. I was going to say I, I want to touch on the culture thing because I think that is yep. such a massive part of this team's success. I mean, you look at you look at the roster, not only who it is, but where they came from. You know what I mean? I, I think there were some people on Twitter calling it like the you know, the group of five all-stars or, you know what I mean? Something not, I don't think it was demeaning or intended to be demeaning, but you know what I mean? These weren't, this wasn't a, a, a team that like Arkansas, you know, it's, it doesn't have three or four McDonald's All-Americans or anything like that. But the culture that you see these players, a, a huge thing that not only the team is doing, but the university and the, the basketball staff with, you know, their Twitter social media and their Instagram social media and giving, you know, inside, you know, behind the scenes looks, if you will, to, you know, what's going on. Dennis Gates tweeting out pictures of, you know, drills and, and things that they're doing during practice. And, hey, here's, you know, this is what we call it. And this is why we're doing it. Here's how it 
you know, correlates to end game situation. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that I'm trying to think of the word, but it's that way for fans to be engaged while completely disconnected. You know what I mean? We were seeing that stuff during football season and we're like, okay, you know, whatever. I bet if you go back and look at Dennis Gates tweets and look at some of that stuff and compare it to what we've seen in game, that will be, you know, completely relatable. Another thing that I really like is the the team, the team account, meaning the social media team account, has promoted, you know, not only player brands, but like the Sternberg scoop. I absolutely love the Sternberg scoop because you get to see like, you know, it's just a vlog style, but you get to see what these players are doing, you know, on the road or before games or, you know, and everything from like film to team lunches to shoot around. I mean, it's just such a great inside look and it really shows you what that culture, you know, that you mentioned is like. I think that's a really underrated aspect of not just like collegiate sports but sports in general, where it's like, you got to have an environment where people can be successful, where it's like, you know, for one, like, obviously it's great that the players all really seem to get along um, and play that sort of into that sort of way. But when, like the athletic departments really lean into player personalities and it really like, it helps get the team amped to play for the program, you know, and like to represent the Missouri Tigers, it really goes a long way. And guys like Sternberg, where he might not be getting a lot of time on the court, but like him as a culture center is so important. And like, I, I forgot where it was from, but someone did a great piece on uh, what Sternberg has provided to this program um, as as a culture sort of a guy and the guy that's like leading the bench mafia and getting guys hyped up. And especially when it comes to the team accounts, when like the, when they really lean into that sort of a personality or when it comes to like the strong photography and videography stuff and, and, and even like bleeding into the MMA, right? Like being able to like, exactly into that sort of culture too. Like it, yes. it emphasizes the fun and of not just, you know, basketball but collegiate basketball and that's kind of it's like- so refreshing it is I, I don't mean to cut you off but that's like my main point it's just so refreshing it's like nothing that we've seen over the past you know i don't know what two years two three years really the last part of the last few years of the Conzo era up until this year just completely different all around yeah I think what also plays into it is really just like the, and this is kind of where my like professional aspect kind of comes in, but like the evolution of sports social media over the past few years and what is considered good social and like athletic departments really stepping it, stepping it up across the board in terms of like learning that this stuff can be a recruiting tool. It can be used to help bring the best young prospects um, in the country to their schools is being able to put on a good image, being able to put on like, strong visuals and what are the best social media strategies like in order to like get um like edits that are a lot flashier or like photographs that are you know that evoke a lot more emotion and um especially like i to go back to for example like the deandre golston buzzer beater and having someone on the court capturing that moment not just doing so but like um in that sort of like cinematic sort of a look you know like I'm not sure that's something that happens like on Twitter.com like eight years ago, you know, Um, this like I think it really just goes to show like the the way that the school and this program has kind of evolved along with the evolution of collegiate sports social media has really played a factor into making this program um, a more attractive option for transfers to come to or recruits to come to. 
I, I think a lot of that credit, because <clears throat> uh, we, we've seen it across a lot of Mizzou athletics, uh, should go to Desiree Reed Francois. I mean, what is what she's doing as athletic director? She understands creative ways of of getting butts and seats and creating a hype and a buzz. You know that Mizzou has kind of had lost for a while there with the stagnant football and basketball, but she's taken it beyond that. You know, gymnastics and wrestling both set attendance records this year. Uh, softballs breaking attendance records. So her overview of the whole athletic program is, I think, getting us to another level that we have yet to reach. I think that's absolutely true in terms of the way that, like the way that the programs have represented themselves on social media sense. And it helps that we kind of have guys that are a little savvy on there, at least like looking at Drinkwitz, for example, like that man, that man be chirping online a little bit. And that's why people love him. Um, And you you can talk about the, like the on-field product all you want. I don't think anyone can question the way that Drinkwitz has really embraced being a Missouri Tiger um, as a personality. And it really extends to online and, like the bat signal becoming a big thing within the Conzo era. And now it's, you know, universal across the board and not just even being able to play off of that, but being able to play into the personality as well. So there's really a lot that goes into it um, across the board um, on that end. Do you, you want to stick around and, and talk over the last week results and, and look forward to what's to come for Mizzou basketball? Absolutely. Love to be here. Okay. Oh, so let, let's get into it. And last uh, Wednesday, uh, Tigers went down to Baton Rouge, and boy, first half it was well. There goes our chance at a you know uh, two game by, and I don't know what they had at halftime. I think it was that juice from Space Jam that Bugs Bunny wrote on the water <laughs> bottle. But they found their groove and they come out and. Uh, pulled out the win. What What are y'all's initial thoughts on the LSU game? Uh, gritty, right? Gritty because not the they, dance, right? <laughs> not the gritty dance. Not the gritty. No. Like, like, okay. Grit, sandpaper, if you will. <laughs> uh, no, man. What a, just uh, tough, man. Like you, you want to get your head down after that. Like you can't tell me that you get down a team that bad at halftime and you just want to, you know, quit. But things to look for. Uh, Goldstein. Uh, fought to get a last second bucket before halftime. I think that what that told you was that we're not we're not done playing here. We're not done fighting. And um, something I really liked seeing out of this team was as soon as second half started, we were playing like our hairs were on, hair was on fire, and LSU thought they'd already won the game. That next five minutes, we went 4-0. They called timeout, and then I think we went on like another like 10-2 run. Not maybe not that much, but we got it back close. Um, that was huge. Uh, LSU started making shots again, and they started fighting. But uh, you gotta love the fight of that team. Uh, you gotta love uh, the Gates that rally to troops like that. You know, it it shows, like we mentioned earlier, is that the chemistry at locker room must be an all time high because it seems like that was, it was the perfect recipe for to Mizzou a game, if you will. That's exactly. I was gonna say this team coming out of the second half, like their hair was on fire, and number two, it shows you that within good reason it doesn't matter how far behind this team may fall or how cold they may start to have or 
you know, the first four, first eight minutes, it can change so quickly in college basketball. You know what I mean? Like you, you, especially on social media, you see it a ton. Like, oh my gosh, you know, yep, this game's over. Go ahead and turn it off, blah, blah, blah. And the next thing you know, with this team, especially in late game moments, when it's within what, five points either way, it just doesn't phase them. They just play their basketball. And I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's experience on the team. You know, we have a ton of veteran experience. I don't know what it is, but they just make it work and they get it done. Yeah. Uh, you're right with that five, that five points at the end of the game. If it's a five-point game, Mizzou's not losing. They, they won't allow it. You said it. That's right. You said it. They're not. Okay. Well, <laughs> look at the season. Have you, has it happened once so far this season? No, I think they're six and zero. No, they're six. Yeah, they don't. They don't lose when it gets to a game. Now we get blown out quite a bit, but <laughs> <laughs> when it gets to that, we're not losing. Uh, quick stat because I'm I'm just kind of looking over some numbers right now. Uh, LSU and I knew they were hot. I didn't know they stayed this hot at the game. They shot fifty percent from three point. Yeah, it, it was seventy three at half, I believe. And I, they they cooled off, but I guess when you shoot seventy three in the first, you it, it is hard to cool off that much. That number still isn't that inflated. Um. We got out rebounded, but not by much, and they had a bunch more turnovers than us. But wow, that is hot from three point arc, entire game. Now, Mark, you're out on the West Coast, so unlike us, where you know eight o'clock tip off and uh, you have a bad start to that, you know it's easy for us to turn the TV off and say it's bedtime. But uh, for you, it's still early evening. So, what do you do out there? Like you, you stick it out and watch it all, or uh, you turn it off and you go find you something to do for the rest of the night. There's a mantra I usually run by, and it's usually plenty of ball game left. You know, you never know what's going to happen, it can, especially in college basketball. It really is just a game of runs. So um, if anything, maybe I'll like multitask, but I'll typically keep the game on. You know, you never know what's going to happen. And on a night like that, you know, like it really goes to show just, like and I think the biggest thing, at least for me, that stands out to me for this team um, at least, especially in that game, what that showed is where it's like it, you don't you, you don't need to rely on one guy to do it all, um, and that's the, the biggest thing where it's like in that game, it, like Demoy Hodge, DeAndre Golson, Noah Carter, all like when Kobe Brown was struggling throughout that game, those three guys stepped up and they got it done, you know, um, and not having to rely on one guy for all your buckets or all that sort of production. The fact that it can come from multiple sources, like it, it really creates that recipe of being able to storm a comeback because who are they going to guard? Who are they going to have to worry about on a given night? You know, they don't like once they shut down Kobe Brown, the game isn't over because you got to worry about everyone else, you know? Yeah. And then you transition to Saturday, uh, senior night and final home game of the year or final regular season game of the year at Mizzou. Uh, Cole, you were there. It seemed like there were like, Three quarters of the team went through senior night uh, pregame ceremonies, uh, but Tigers jumped out to a lead. It didn't get real big. Old Miss always kept it close, but uh, our Tigers ended up just pulling it out and and winning the ball game. But uh, what what are y'all's thoughts on the Old Miss? Anything stick out? Um, yeah, I mean. One thing I thought was interesting was, and I don't know if that was Desiree Reed at Francois' you know, idea. I don't know if it was Coach Gates, but they actually did the senior uh, 
you know, senior day tradition, uh, whatever you want to call it, post game. And I don't know if that was to, you know, get fans to stick in the stands. I don't know what the, you know, thought was behind that. Um, but yes, back to the game. Back and forth, kind of, it just had a weird feeling. And then about three, two and a half, three minutes left in the game, it was a very pivotal moment that um, I think Mizzou went on a short run. Ole Miss called a timeout, and they, I mean, Mizzou Arena just erupted, and it was very, very loud. I mean, the rest of the game, and they just, you know, it, they got to that point where we just talked about in the LSU game. They got up three, four, five points, and they just did not surrender that lead. Can we talk about how we got up those uh, three, four, five points? Absolutely. Because a friend of the show, I think, was MVP of that game by far. Noah Carter put the game on his back in the second half. Yes, Marshawn Lynch put the game, put the team on his back. (laughs) He absolutely did. Um, there were so many plays out of him, and I, I, Noah, I, I'm a big fan of Noah. It was before he came on the show, I've been a big fan of Noah, but there was plays he was making that I think aren't getting talked about enough. Um, he takes a desperation three at the end of a shot clock, sinks it in the second half. That was massive. Uh, he got tough rebounds all game, a bunch were really big towards the end there. Uh, and one to go up five. He won us the game right there. Uh, Nick Honors free throws he made later sealed it for good, but that was massive. Um, he was hustling constantly. He always does it. He was hustling constantly, making plays constantly. He was driving and finding the hoop a lot. He was one of the sole few guys that could consistently make baskets there when we were getting cold. Um, but I just want to gas up our boy Noah a little bit because that was an absolute clinic he put on to keep Mizzou in that game and win Mizzou the game. Absolutely. Very aggressive, very aggressive finish. And, you know, we've seen it in spurts, but to to finish the game like that is 100% what that team needed to to close the game out. Yeah. And, you know, we, it's something we've said time and time again that it's not just one guy in this team. It is a whole team that can, you know, some days a guy will get his number called. Hodge, absolute stud. Hodge did not shoot well from three point. He finished twenty three points, um, but he clanged out a lot of three pointers there. Um, I think someone else had to step up those times, and a lot of guys did. And I think No was a big one there. I said Hodge still had twenty three in the game, and he he drove to the rack a lot. He actually did really really good driving to, to the lane. Mark, what are, what are your thoughts on Saturday's game? <clears throat> Saturday's game. I mean. The fact that, like, I, I think one of the the other factors outside of, you know, the uh, the way that <clears throat> this team kind of rallied around and, you know, held them off and, like, Noah Carter coming through as big as he did um, is that, like, you know, this, this is, like, not really necessarily pertaining to the game, but, like, home field, like, this, there's a real home court advantage that kind of helps this team through some of the tougher stretches through the game and, like, um, I do think that that sort of uh, yeah that aspect of the game played a little bit of a factor in terms of the ending, but my goodness, you can't, you can't say that enough about Noah Carter and the way he's stepped up, not just against Ole Miss, but like across uh, the multiple stretches of games where he's really played. It was like four or five games that he's really stepped it up, and I think that that sort of confidence is really going to help this team heading into the SEC tournament, and hopefully they make a little bit of noise there, but more than anything, I want to see that team make some noise during the NCAA tournament, but it doesn't like it definitely helps to kind of get that sort of confidence going early and to obviously win the games you need to win, but um, to do so in a fashion that instills confidence and 
to players. And for a guy like Noah Carter that's kind of had up and down play, it was his moment. He really owned it, and it's really going to help him um, heading into the SEC play here. Absolutely. <clears throat> but going into the SEC tournament, uh, if y'all remember late January when we were, you know, really started updating SEC standings, uh, I asked y'all, you know, what what would make or where do y'all foresee us finishing or, or where do you want to see us do the rest of the year? And my thing was I wanted to see us get close to finishing around number four. Uh, just I thought the league was open for it and we had the talent and the team able to do it. And lo and behold, we actually got the four seed. Uh, you know, Mark talked about other teams on Twitter chirping, and I've already seen it this week, uh, how it's a down year in the SEC, you know, and uh, you know they're already coming up with their typical excuses and how we don't belong and all that. But uh, I think it was a good league year just because the preseason rankings did not happen the way that they, they thought or the standings didn't line up the way they thought. does not mean it was a down year. I think it was a very deep league this year and a lot of equalness. Uh, aside from A&M and Alabama, I felt like everybody else, anybody could beat anybody in any ball game. But our Tigers got the number four seed, got the double buy out of it, won't play till Friday. Uh, what what do you all want to see us do in this SEC tournament, or what are your expectations, I guess? I'd love to see us at least get to the – move one more round. Uh, I know, obviously, we're starting pretty deep, which is awesome. But let us see us at least get at least one game through on the in the conference tournament. Because I know it's going to get tough there. Anything can happen. But um, I I want to say we're already starting as far as we've ever gone in the SEC tournament. Is that correct? Can you guys confirm I believe that? so. Yeah, so, man, just take that next step, get one more game. Um, I want to get bullish. I want to see him, you know, say go to the finals. But to get to the semifinals, I think, would be awesome. It would be a, a big, big feather in the cap of Dennis Gates for his first year. Yeah, that would be huge. I mean, to to get at least one win in the SEC tournament, we talked about, you know, we we it's nice to say that we are a part of the top four within the conference. But um, you talked about Alabama A&M. A&M had our number twice. Alabama handled us pretty good. Um, they're two very good teams. Uh, I would agree that uh, Buzz Williams for co-coach of the year. I don't agree with Stackhouse, but that's okay. Um, I didn't I didn't get a vote, so is what it is. But I will say that, yeah, if we can get at least one win out of the SEC tournament to kind of round out the resume, I think that would be huge. Uh, I, I have a feeling that a lot of people think that the Tennessee game might have been a fluke. Um, and I don't know. If they don't handle business, then we may not even see them. Who knows? That's definitely something Mark? I'm thinking about, too. Um, if they can get that game against Tennessee, if anything, it's going to build the confidence heading into the NCAA tournament to where, like, okay, we can go out there and possibly win a game, you know? Um, and I think that's going to, like, it's going to help set that momentum. And I think that Missouri can be Tennessee. Uh, but as you said, it really is like it. it like the the SEC is pretty much wide open in terms of who like on a given day, on a given like stretch of games, like who can eke out that win, go through the next rounds, and that's kind of the way the tournament play kind of works. But 
Um, if they can at least get into that that round against Alabama, if anything, it's going to be good experience for the tournament and to be able to uh, face a team that had like that is a legitimate NCAA threat um, in the tournament and to get that sort of experience and to be able to even if they don't win to like play competitively and know kind of have an expectation closer to tournament time of, a, of okay, this is what a top tier uh, March Madness team looks like. I think it's going to go a long way to uh, in, in their chances to at least win a game or two um, once uh, that March Madness bracket is set. So um, I'd love for them to be able to get that experience, but we can't think too far ahead. They just got to get through Tennessee first. At I think the SEC tournament can be huge to move us up in seeding for the NCAA tournament. I don't think we can go down anymore uh, regardless of results, or at least I hope we can. But I think we can really move closer to that 6-7 range if we beat Tennessee and keep it within, say, 10 against Alabama. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of good uh, benefits to getting to play, you know, into the third round because you're, you're not going to be playing – more than likely you're not going to be playing Ole Miss or Georgia again, you know. So there's, it's only going to benefit us to go out there and win the ball games, obviously. I'd agree. So, Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot here before we let you go. Where do you see this team? I mean, obviously, every Mizzou fan's dream scenario is to finally get to the Final Four. Uh, anything beyond that's just great, but, you know, we we got to get there first. But uh, what – What's your hopes to see us do in March here in I'm the a, tournament? I am a simple man. Um, I don't ask for much. Win an NCAA tournament game, and we are good. Yeah, get past the first round. Second round, you'll probably face like one of the higher seeds, and you know Dennis can do it. I really have faith in Dennis that if any if any of these past Mizzou teams could get it done in round two, it's him and this team um, in this current moment. But just get me past round one, and that's all I ask for. It's a successful season. Um, and as long as you play hard and, you know, don't shit the bed against that second seed or that other top seed that comes through, I'm all good. This is this, That's all I could possibly ask for. So just go out there, Dennis, and win a game. And, and if you do so, you're the king of Columbia as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Uh, the MMA, I'm sure, is going to be psychotic <laughs> if, you know, especially if we make it to, like, the Sweet 16. Those uh, Any win in the NCAA tournament and that other team's Twitter page is going to blow up when they post that final. I'm excited for that. M- Mizzou MMA is making an extra level to the basketball season for me. Couldn't agree more, man. Uh, I will be right alongside with them, memeing and uh, spreading the propaganda of Dennis and this team um, as far as they go. So, if, if anything, that's just a teaser to keep an eye on the page because I might, might have a little bit of fun with it, you know? So, we'll see. 
Well, we love it. Man, appreciate you coming on. Uh, you you want to shout out, like, or, you know, drop your, your handles on any of your social medias for anybody to follow you or anything you want to plug while you're on? Yeah. Um, my handle is at Mark J. Kim with an underscore. You could That's Twitter or Instagram, whatnot. Um, obviously, there's a lot of Mizzou going out there, but, you know, mostly just me being me. That's kind of the way that I got to where I am now, and that's not going to change anytime soon. Um, so that's where you can find me um, on the internet there. But uh, really love being on here. Love talking shop with y'all and looking forward to seeing what this team does and doesn't let me down uh, is my where my hope is at right now. So God bless, hopefully. And we appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, fellas. Talk soon. All right. Thanks, thank Mark. you. Appreciate thank it, man. You. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. All right. Well, fellas, uh, let, let's keep going with the recap of Mizzou sports. Uh, baseball got rained out Friday. I had a doubleheader Saturday. We won both those games and one Sunday uh, on, a, what, a seven-game win streak now? Uh, I believe so, it. yeah. She came talk to us, so uh, maybe we need to get more athletes on here. I mean, it's obviously good things. We're obviously good luck. Let's see here. Uh, Luger, Luger hasn't played a game yet after we talked to him, so that's not fair. I'm sure he's having a hell of a spring, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would, I no, would uh, even bet to say that uh, Mizzou wins the spring game. So, I mean, hey, ooh, you heard it here first. Like, Mizzou's going to win the spring game. Put all your money on Mizzou. <laughs> bet the house on Mizzou. Not we can easily it. recap the last week of Mizzou sports and be like, okay, uh, let's see who all played. Okay, yep, everybody won. So <laughs> it could be really um, easy, but we're going to go more in depth than that. Luke Griffin hasn't lost a football game since he came on here. So let's just let's <laughs> clarify that. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, another strong start or another step in the strong start to the baseball season. And, Man, I'm ready for con- conference play. Like, I feel like we have something. You know, it, it, a successful year for me in baseball this year uh, with this team. Realistically, I would say middle of the pack in the mm-hmm. league. I mean, of course, you want to see them toward the top, if not win it. You know, so. Uh, Definitely exceeding the national riders, you know, because I'm sure when they were sending in all their preseason votes or whatever, uh, Mizzou was at the – they started at the bottom and put Mizzou when they did SEC standings. Yep. Uh, And obviously, I don't don't see this as bottom of the league team anymore. I I feel like – uh, Coach Beezer's got the the guys in there to to make the difference, and uh, I haven't even looked at the schedule. I don't even know how far out conference play is. Do you? Yes, yeah, uh, so I got pulled uh, pulled up March seventeenth. We're gonna play Tennessee. We've got a three games set with them in Columbia. Uh, first of all, if you had a good fan show out to that, that'd be great because Tennessee is not Tennessee stumbled out of the blocks a little bit, yeah. and obviously they've gone through. They play the same guys we're playing. You know these smaller schools don't quite have the, the power that you know these SEC schools do. So when we get to them, we're both going to kind of you know rest it up, uh, but not play too much tough competition. I think 
Winning that series at home, taking two out of three there, would be massive for this program. That being said, we struggled mightily against Tennessee last year. So it's going to be no easy feat. But um, I think that's a really good opportunity to strike. And that's that's early because we're gonna we're gonna play that three game set, and then we're gonna immediately go and play KU at Kaufman, and then we're gonna go to Columbia that weekend. Uh, sorry, Columbia, South Carolina that weekend. So it's gonna be a little bit of a stretch there. Yeah. Well, and then wrestling, uh, twelve years in a row now, conference champs won uh, the Big Twelve. It was not. Not a good final round for us, aside from Rocky Eagle. Um, <clears throat> I think we had, what, six second-place finishes? Yeah. Uh, so, not really good as, as far as that aspect, but overall, to, to come out with conference championship against Oklahoma State, Iowa State, you know, there's some elite programs in there, and second year in a row, uh, back into the Big 12 and win the tournament. And what a two week break until NCAA finals, same place we just come out of there at the BOK Center in Tulsa. So, uh, shout out to them guys. Gonna try to work. Might need to get our DM guru on this because I've, I've tried a time or two to a couple different wrestlers, but I'd love to find a Mizzou wrestler to come on and talk about the program. Uh, would love to hear a little bit of insight of that culture that Coach Brian Smith built there because uh, it seems like who is at the top nationally uh, year in, year out under him now for wrestling schools. Yeah. Um, he's he's definitely building something special. I mean, and he has been for a long, long time. He's been doing this for a long time. Had a lot of success, um, you know, a lot of All-Americans, Olympians. I mean, he's he's at the top as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean? Um, whether he's the gatekeeper or, you know, the king of the hill, he's he's at the top of the pedestal when it comes to college wrestling. And it's, yeah, it's it's incredible. I, I'll work, uh, I'll start working on that, try and get uh, a wrestler in here after, after the season. I want to let them focus and. You know, not worried about hopping on the podcast and, you know, talking deer and fish and all that good stuff. I want them to bring on the hardware and then we'll get them on. Yeah. And then softball, they, uh, I believe it was three and two over the weekend. They lost Oklahoma State and Tulsa uh, and beat Maine twice, I think, and Tulsa Sunday night. So, yeah. not the best of weekends, but still a winning weekend overall. So girls are still still doing good. And as Julia said uh, last week on here, Julia Crenshaw, you know, she said they're, they're still learning as a team and they're yet to reach their full potential. So uh, hopefully still better things to come for that team this year. Absolutely. They, they, haven't, they haven't really peaked yet. And I think – that could be a good thing. You know, you don't want to peak too early and you want to peak closer to conference time. So I think they may be on the on the right trajectory. Yeah. I think we always see them kind of not peak, but they definitely start to hit their stride late spring, early summer. So, you know, by the time they get into conference play, again, the SEC, you know, softball slate is just absolutely loaded. 
A um, lot of good teams, but historically they've done really, really well. Good conference play, and you know, I, I have full faith that they'll uh, they'll definitely get that done once once the time comes. And then gymnastics uh, Friday was it Auburn that they they beat and they were Alabama. 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 Yep, Alabama. So, tide rolled. <laughs> Tigers won. Our Lady Tigers in the gymnastics, I feel like, man, they're, they're a good squad, uh, obviously, with last year's results, but it seems like they've got stronger and stronger as the years went on and excited to see, like, that was the end of the conference uh, meets for them, correct? If I saw that right, do y'all know? I believe so. I think they're done with their regular season schedule. I think they're going to start getting into, you know, SEC championships, things of that nature. But yeah, I believe their regular season is done because that is a winter sport. And they they came on really strong at the end of the year. Um, so another another great program. Uh, I don't know if we're going to find too many gymnasts to come on and, and talk uh, hunting, but hey, if they want to come on and talk Mizzou, they don't have to have a, a love and passion of outdoor activities like us. It just uh, That's something we could talk all day about, but we could also talk all day about Mizzou because like Mark Kim, our guest on this episode, uh, you know, he, he said he has some fishing memories of when he was a kid, but uh, is really focused on his career and, and don't really do a lot of outdoor activities now, so that's why we didn't go that route. But hey, if there's any gymnasts that listen or uh, that want to come on and, and talk, we're always open doors there too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, bring it on. Any other sports that I missed? I feel like there's it's a, the it's time a busy time right now. Up and falls kicking off, or springs kicking off. Yep. Uh, spring ball, uh, spring practice. Anything sticking out to y'all on? On that, I mean, the one thing I've noticed is there's not a clear cut QB one yet. We knew that was going to happen, but it is interesting to watch the highlights and see uh, see both uh, Garcia and Horn get a lot of throws. Uh, we may have mentioned it last time, but uh, it looks like Horn is in football right now, and he's not been available for the the pitch for the baseball team. So it looks like during spring ball, he is all committed to football. That's something a lot of Mizzou fans seem to be worried about. Yeah, I think our suspicions were confirmed. I saw exactly. a post on Instagram today that Sam Horn was, yeah, participating in uh, spring football. So, and you know, breath, y'all. something that guys like Gabe DeArmond were kind of echoing for a long time, you know, but maybe it's more fun right. to, to worry than to just like listen. <laughs> Better to stir the pot and <laughs> yeah. wait and see, I guess. That's something to talk about, I guess. But uh, no, he is a football player. Gabe has been wrong a time or two before. It's not often. So, but, you know, us yeah. as fans as a whole, we like to think worst case scenario just because it seems to have happened to us through the years. Yeah. Hope for the prepared for the worst. Yeah, it's been quiet out of uh, football camp. So. I will take that as a good sign so far. I did see Theo Weiss uh, was offensive player of the day, uh, I think on second practice. So uh, excited to see what that talent is coming in because 
he obviously has big game uh, experience, uh, a lot of football under his belt, and to play, you know, to slot in at that opposite side of of Luther, and our, our receiver room is loaded. Uh, there are, yeah, I mean, the list absolutely. goes on and on, man. It's crazy. You know, another friend of the show, Greg Miller, his son, uh, Makai Miller, like, really excited to see him. Luther, uh, love it still. You know, we are not love it. Uh, Mookie Cooper, sorry. I was, I had number five <laughs> pictured in my head. He poured a little salt in the wound with that one. Yeah, I'll edit that. I'll, I'll edit that. Uh, you know, Mookie Cooper and then uh, Peanut Houston, I think, was offensive player of the day on first practice. So, yeah, that's a guy we haven't seen much out of. So, that could be someone we rely on this year. It's it's exciting. I and mean, running backs, you know, what's Jones going to do? What's the incoming freshman? I can't remember his name, but a Missouri guy that had really, really good year and uh, got bumped up to a four-star, I think, at the end of the season. So, and you have the guys coming back also that uh, Cody Schrader, uh, I think Pete's back this year, right? Yes, Pete is Pete yeah. trying this year. So experience there, uh, offensive line. Uh, Who do we lose there? Uh, seems like we lost one. No, there sure. is. He transferred to SMU. Can you guys tell me who, who was that? Well, I know we lost. Um, I yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. We'll have to. I, I was we'll have to do a little bit more in depth research leading up to the uh, to the spring game for the roster news. Yeah, but Javon Foster's back, and apparently he's been playing really well in spring. So that's good. always good. He's gonna be huge for, us, especially if one of those younger quarterbacks uh, ends up taking over. He's gonna be such a a anchor to that offensive line. Um. We got a little battle at center, and this one—the center position—won't be resolved until we get to uh, right before uh, you know season starts. But um, you guys remember Polger, the guy that Drink recruited for as a transfer for uh, center last year? Something yeah, weird happened. Yes, something weird. And Stella wouldn't let him wouldn't let him play this year, which is weird. Um, but apparently, it's between him and Tolson to start last year. Tolson was a redshirt freshman and. Really didn't have the weight on him that we kind of needed at the center, so it's gonna be interesting to see what he's done in the off season and what um what Benz has been doing, hanging out, waiting for a year, right? Yeah. So I'm interested in watching that battle. Defense reload. I mean, it, defense it's is great. Yeah. So deep. Uh, the only thing they really have to reload, I, I feel, is defensive end. I feel like everybody else is is back. So, uh. You know, that's only going to make the offense better going up against that level of talent, that much experience on that other side of the ball. So it's Mizzou football, obviously, uh, probably my favorite Mizzou sport. Uh, so I could talk it all day, any day of the year. Oh, yeah. That was what, what birthed this podcast because football and deer season lined up on top of each other. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and roll into uh, the outdoors. I'll, I'll go over my uh, 
outdoors adventure over the weekend. Me and the, the my boys are seven and four, and uh, we just had a guys trip. Went up to the Roaring River in southwest Missouri, and did a little trout fishing. I had it for supper tonight, but uh, the wife, she's like, "Did you get a bunch of pictures?" I said. I was alone with a seven and four year old standing on the bank fishing by rapid moving water. I did not worry about my phone too much. <laughs> I don't blame you one bit. Here. <laughs> we survived. Yeah, yeah exactly. right. we brought him home safe. That's all that matters. Just uh, a kid. Great time. A seven year old hooked two trout the first time. He he stopped reeling and his eyes got big and he looked at me and said, That's a fish, really and really. And you know, it was with ultralights, obviously not fly fishing with him. Uh and so the second time fish hit and uh boy here he goes reeling he's screaming i got fish i got fish and gets it right to the bank and the thing i think it ripped its lip but uh mm-hmm. come on and, uh the four-year-old he he never got a bite but boy i tell him you know it's just a little feather jig out there and so you gotta you gotta shake the rod as you're reeling in and uh, my four-year-old, he was he was really getting after that shaking the rod and he really in so fast with the current that jig was almost skiing on top of the water. <laughs> Good time for me. I mean, I, I love getting to instill outdoors into my kids. Uh, and beautiful place there at Roaring River. Highly advise anybody bored on a weekend looking to make a trip. That is a great place. I mean, you, you can – Rent you a tent spot for seventeen dollars a night. That's not bad. That ain't bad at all. Can't beat that. You gotta have obviously your fishing license and a daily trout stamp uh, from the store, and it's four dollars for the trout stamp. So for thirty dollars out of pocket, you can go down and fish for a day, and the next morning and spend the night and have a have a good time. And I highly advise it. Yeah, it's awesome, man. It sounds great. What do y'all do outdoors wise? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, this weekend, big thing I did uh, was it was it was nice out here. Um, I didn't really go to where me anywhere me and the family, so I spent just a lot of time out there shooting the bow. And um, my little girl is is too young to shoot with me, but she went out there with me. And first of all, uh, she's the best cheerleader you can actually ask for. Uh, every time she heard the arrow pop the bag, she would jump him down and cheer, "Go, Daddy!" So good job, Daddy! So that was awesome. My my ego, you know, needed that the whole time. But um, just walk, just I, I got to shoot a bunch. Really worked on some stuff. I was kind of rusty. Um, now I want to I want to say something, to y'all. I mean, I want to ask the you know even the viewers to tweet at me if, if you think this sounds ridiculous. I shoot from my deck down to the yard in a, in a bag which i have like on a, uh, one of those hanging things you know i put one of our deck chairs there i sit in it like i'm sitting in a tree stand i only allow myself to move my feet the amount of space i'd have on a platform and then i try and turn and shoot like i would be in a tree stand so i don't make a big you know wide base like i would you know if i was on the ground and i, I try and I try and be as like quiet and make efficient moves as possible while shooting down in there. Is that do y'all ever do anything like that, or am I the only person that tries to replicate that while practicing? To me, that's the best way to do it because you're you're gaining that muscle memory. Exactly. It makes it that will pay off when you're in the stand 
and the deer walk out, or you have uh, maybe a hurried shot that you have to do because a, a big buck chasing a doe or something, you know. So uh, that that is a great thing to do and, and to get that repetition in for your body. That's kind of what I was thinking. You know, um, before this, I'd always practice like, I, you know, I see my buddies, they stand there in the yard with the bag about 30, uh, you know, 30 yards away and they just sit there and pop, pop, pop. And, you know, oh, it looks good. And you, you think that's going to, you think that's fine. You know, you, you probably are, you know, for that situation, but that's, I, I think working on some real situations, obviously you're not, is, you know, your heart's not thumping your chest because there's not a real buck in front of you. But you're right. I, I think the most memories going to go a long ways for me or whoever. Uh, when you're in that actual situation, actual we're live, the deer's in front of us situation. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong at all with uh, practicing how you play. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. shot repetition, muscle memory. You know, acting like you're you're in the game. Yeah, you're right. The adrenaline factor isn't there, but you know, there's nothing wrong with you being fluid in your movements and, and being very comfortable with the whole, you know, stand up, acquire the target, you know, make the shot process. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So that's what I've been working on. That was kind of my thing all weekend. And then just having the kid with me has been fun. She likes to go down there, grab the arrows. I give the arrows to her. She carries them back up. It's a, it's a fun, it's a fun process. What about you, Cole? Do you do anything outdoors or are you stuck in the Missouri arena? All weekend. Um, I mean, you got. We've talked about it over and over again. I have a very weird work schedule. Work right now is crazy. Um, so I've been working a lot. Uh, out the opportunity for the outdoors has not really been there, and I don't know if that's my fault for not making time. But um, I've been doing more on the side of. I want to give a shout out because um, good friend of mine, Hayden Nichols, he owns uh, Cedar Creek Jig Company, which is just a very small town uh south of columbia he works for the university and in his free time he pours uh soft plastics and hand ties jigs he started tying flies and then got into you know tying um you know 16th ounce eight ounce quarter ounce jigs for crappie because he'll fish uh, crappie tournaments so i've been making contact with him um he's been gracious enough to uh create some lure packs that i'm going to deliver this week to some of our student athletes that have come on the podcast as a thank you. Um, and then also, uh, just kind of getting with him on, uh, on what lures that I want him to, to make for me for this upcoming fishing season. So shout out to you, Hayden. I really appreciate you, man, uh, for, you know, getting these done, not only for our athletes, not only for listening, um, but for, you know, creating a small business and allowing us to, to support you. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel we owe uh, – you want to do the other shout-out because you're kind of our ground guy there working that one. Well, yeah, I got two more shout-outs, actually. Uh, and I'm going to do this one first because he's blood to me. My little brother, Isaac Finley. So if you listen to the podcast now, over the past few episodes, you've heard the acoustic intro to the Mizzou fight song and then, of course, the outro part of the uh, podcast as well, if you've made it to that point. If not, listen all the way to the end and you'll hear the end of the song. Um but yeah, my brother, he uh, lives down in Nashville. You know, of course, we were raised here in mid-Missouri. Um, he recorded that and sent it to us and allowed us to uh, put it into the podcast. So big shout out to you, Isaac. Uh, love you, man. Really appreciate you, you know, putting that into the uh, 
put that into the works and allowed us to use it. And then also other shout outs uh, to Mickey at uh, owner of 573s at 573 Tees on Twitter. Um, yeah, he's been doing some groundwork for us now. We've got some t-shirts and a t-shirt, couple t-shirt designs into the mix. And uh, we're going to slowly start rolling those out. Once they're available for purchase, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have not only us tweet the link out, but uh, Mickey as well. So thank you, Mickey, for putting a legwork on that and uh, taking the time to get us a logo drawn up. And you know, it's going to be quality because those 573 shirts are hey, top notch. They're awesome. They're right, awesome. That is the majority of my Mizzou, my Mizzou uh, wardrobe there is his stuff. Yeah, great shirts, great. Man, Chiefs, Chiefs and Mizzou, got a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. I hope we get to the point where we have, like, you know, big corporate name sponsors, but I feel really good supporting two, you know, local mid-Missouri businesses that not only help, you know, our economy, but also support Mizzou and Mizzou Athletics. Oh, absolutely. Now if we just get a to come on. And also, we got a shout-out, uh, Variety Sports Network. Uh, we are part of that network, and, and they've got us to all platforms. And the numbers we're getting from them weekly uh, is paying dividends to go to them. Uh, we are getting a lot of listeners on uh, – is it iTunes or Apple? Yeah, that uh, Apple iTunes uh, podcast format they have us on. Yeah, that's what's really helping us out. So uh, appreciate them guys and allowing us to come on board and, and get us out to more listeners. So uh, thank you, VSN and VSN Collegiate. Uh, but fellas, is great pod. Love having Mark uh, come on and, and tell his story. You know, to for him to describe how he got to where he got. And uh, there's a lot of us that do a lot of shit talking on Twitter, but it. it paid dividends for him so i love that and, and love you know kind of national brand ambassador for us like that yeah 100 percent. i do have Absolutely. one more shout out i want to do because he brought up a very good point um champ caldwell he had uh he shot me a dm on twitter and um he just wanted to you know mention that he was like hey you know i've been listening to the show for a long time and it's great um, and we are getting into the season. Him and I had a pretty lengthy conversation about this, but he had mentioned, uh, you know, getting into more fishing content, which Skeeter, you covered that for us this week. So good job. Um, but yes, champ, appreciate you listening, man. Um, all of our listeners, whether you DM us or not, we really do appreciate you listening. If you are a fishing fool, a fishing fiend, um, we are going to get into more fishing content for sure, because that stuff's right around the corner. So good to go. Let's let's make some noise in the SC tournament. I'm excited for that. Absolutely. M I Z Z O U. Go Tigers, y'all take care.